Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister heads to Washington this week to meet with the Presidents of the United States and Mexico. We have um, uh, a lot of work to do. We have our, uh, our leaders getting together uh, next week for the uh, North American Leaders Summit as well as a meeting uh, between Prime Minister Trudeau and, and President Biden, so we're going to spend some time working on that. Disappointment over the compromise on coal reached at the COP26 climate conference. Given my activist history and whether I'm prepared to make compromises, what I've said, and I mean it, is that I recognize that expect expectations are high, as they should be. That's because the stakes are very high. And the mandate that Canadians gave us is, ex is an extremely ambitious one. And Pierre Poilievre calls on the government and the Bank of Canada to renew the inflation control target. Inflation is raging out of control, reaching 4.5%. It's now the highest level since uh, almost two decades. Furthermore, the price of the, the essentials that uh, low-income Canadians require is rising the fastest. It's Monday, November 15th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Mark. So we're a week away from Parliament resuming. Uh, it'll be the, the first time that MPs are, are back together in the House of Commons since the election in September. Uh, that'll start a week from today. Uh, but before that happens, the Prime Minister is off to Washington with uh, for a one-day summit with the presidents of Mexico and the United States. Um, so, this, you know, the Prime Minister's traveling again and, and attending these events in person. So uh, what do you think is at stake at this gathering? Well, there's a lot at stake. I mean, the big question is, you know, whether it will produce anything. Uh, this is, you know, a sort of return of the uh, traditional, uh, you know, uh, three-country summits, you know, coined by many people as the three amigos um, in the post-Trump era. And uh, the notion uh, behind all of these gatherings and, the, and you know, in the, in the wake of Donald Trump is that there'll be a whole whole new sort of sense of interconnectedness and, and uh, you know, of, of, of leaders, you know, wanting to cooperate and taking on the big issues, but uh, there's lots to be concerned about for, for Canadians. I mean, uh, you know, typically, and this is true historically, democratic um, administrations in the United States uh, tend to be more protectionist than Republican administrations, and that's a big concern again this time around because, you know, Joe Biden is pushing policies that are uh, hard on sort of uh, by american approaches and in particular there's a uh, a proposal in the united states to uh, you know provide up to $12,500 in incentives for people to buy electric vehicles which is great because these leaders will see say a lot of things about how about their common approach to fighting climate change and, and transforming the economy. But the, the catch with the American policy is that you have to buy the vehicle in the States and you get the full benefit if you buy the vehicle from a unionized plant. So that's bad news for Canada. And so that will clearly come up uh, as a concern. But what I would say about these gatherings in, in broader terms, Mark, is that you really for Canadians to get a message through to Americans uh, about you know, concerns around protectionist policies. It really has to come from Americans thinking the policies are a bad idea, too. Uh, the leaders will talk about it, and Justin Trudeau will make Canada's case. But really what has to happen behind the scenes is 
these intense lobbying efforts that pull together, you know, American trade representatives and organizations, American union organizations, you know, uh, the ones that are sympathetic to Canada's concerns, they have to be the ones that influence uh, congressional leaders and elected officials in the United States to reject protectionist policies. Just because Canada says we don't like them, Mexico will say the same thing. Uh, that's not likely to move U.S. lawmakers. What will move them is whether those kinds of criticisms come from within the United States, uh, raising concerns about protectionist policies being bad for the overall American economy, bad for trade, bad for, uh, you know, those movement of goods that go back and forth, all of those things. It really needs to come from an American, uh, you know, an American push rather than a Canadian push. So I think it's, you know, you'll, people will say it's good that the meetings, uh, the meeting is taking place, that they're face to face in the room. But uh, I think a lot of this will be, you know, show uh, to, you know, show that Joe Biden is, is back to reaching out and returning to these meetings and talking. But we'll see how much progress is made on Canada's real concerns. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to the COP26 climate summit, uh, which has has wrapped up now. And uh, and there's some disappointment being expressed over what was accomplished there, in particular, uh, the deal that was struck uh, that followed a compromise on coal. Um, And um, so what are your thoughts on that? And then what does it mean for Canada and and our own climate action plan within this country? Well, I, you know, I think it's, yeah, there's, uh, I, I think, I think what's happening is exactly what, you know, um, you know, people were concerned would happen is that they would get together and what was, you know, billed by many as the sort of last ditch best effort for countries to come together and, and try and, uh, you know, you know, put forward meaningful, um, enforceable proposals to deal with the climate and, uh, it, it's not that it's 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 watered down. Uh, you know, the a uh, lot of uh, skeptics will say that you know this is this is what, what we were most worried about that there would be another big gathering with 200 countries coming out uh, with a promise to cut carbon emissions and uh, cut the use of coal way back and, and fossil fuels and you know uh, provide support to developing nations to help them deal with uh, with climate change um, but it's really limited in how far and how accelerated they're prepared to go and uh, the say you know coming to some sort of a, a, a watered down um, uh, commitment to deal you know with phasing out coal and, and much you know less uh, rigid than what people had hoped for is you know, not perceived as a, a winning outcome. Uh, it's seen as, again, um, a lot of good words, goodwill perhaps, but uh, not any strict guidelines to hold countries to making the really serious change that needs to be made. So uh, some of this will have to be reflected in the way Canada uh, moves forward with its commitments. Um, you know, the Trudeau government is saying it's regardless of what happens with with uh, COP and what other countries are doing, Canada is going to stick by its commitments to push forward. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm not sure how closely connected the two things are. If, if the COP26 is ultimately viewed as a as a failure, does that mean uh, Canada doesn't continue to try and do more? I don't think so. I think the government will separate those two things and say. 
uh, we're going to keep pushing hard uh, to meet the targets we've met, uh, regardless of some of the failings of COP. Right. All right. We'll see what happens about that. Um, when Parliament resumes a week from now, Peter, I think uh, the expectation is there will be some attention uh, to Canada's economy. There are concerns about inflation. Um, and other aspects of the Canadian economy. Uh, perhaps there'll be an economic update as well. Pierre Poiliev, who is the, the conservative finance critic, or as the conservatives call it, the shadow minister for finance, um, spoke on Sunday saying the Liberal government and the Bank of Canada should renew the inflation control target, which is set to expire in just over a month. Uh, do you expect there will be a lot of focus on inflation in the weeks ahead? I think so, uh, because it's a it's a marker that Canadians can understand. You know, it's a it's an indicator that tells us uh, what's happening in the economy and uh, what policies the government might need to deal with. It. So he's making the case that again, as conservatives are going to make once the house comes back, and even before that, uh, there needs to be a far more what they would call disciplined approach uh, to managing an economy as, as as it starts to recover coming out of COVID. Uh, the kinds of impacts that inflation will have, especially where inflation is occurring in some of those key areas, uh, and how uh, that can hurt Canadian families. So, we are expecting at uh, some point, uh, you know, in a, in a shortened uh, first sitting since the election that'll run uh, up to uh, just before Christmas for four weeks, uh, an economic update uh, from the finance minister, Christian Freeland. Uh, there'll be a lot of focus there, I think, on on measurements and targets and money going at the door, and, and we'll get a better idea of exactly what's going to guide this government in the uh, next couple of years, um, certainly in the next year, as the economy begins to recover, but the challenges of COVID remain. So we'll have a much better idea of exactly what markers they're going to lay down uh, to manage the economy and, and uh, send a message to Canadians that, yeah, we're aware of some of the concerns around inflation here, here and if it's the inflation target uh, being extended, perhaps that's what it'll be. But uh, I think, you know, Canadians will be looking for a, a pretty clear, and certainly parliamentarians, a very clear direction on where the government thinks the economy is going and what it's doing to manage, uh, you know, not just money going out the door, but expectations. Um, and to follow through in the, in the same context, Mark, with some of these major uh, funding commitments that uh, you know the government made during the election campaign, and I'm sure we'll hear more about in the throne speech, uh, commitments to you know daycare and to childcare and to housing and so on. Uh, so I think you know there'll be a lot of expectation that we want to see a real clear plan of uh, what's ahead for the country, certainly over the next six to twelve months. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, Mark. Good to talk to you. We'll talk again. At CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. We have um, uh, a lot of work to do. We have our, uh, our leaders getting together uh, next week for the uh, North American Leaders Summit, as well as a meeting uh, between Prime Minister Trudeau and, and President Biden. So we're going to spend some time working on that. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At Policy Options, Colin Robertson argues the North American idea will get a revival this week. Robertson writes, On Thursday, President Joe Biden will host Justin Trudeau and Mexico's Andres Manuel López Obrador for the first such summit in five years. There will be well-meaning pledges. There will be commitments to joint economic recovery. But can they tackle the tough issues like migration, 
border management, and protectionism. The North American idea still makes sense. This week's trilateral signals that the spirit taking us forward is once again in gear. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt argues Aaron O'Toole's treatment of caucus rabble-rousers is proof he's determined to lead a winning Conservative Party. Watt writes, O'Toole has effectively nipped the anti-vaccine mandate movement in the bud, exiling the outliers to the back benches and bolstering his public image and his control of the party. The sheer unpopularity of the position these MPs took was a challenge for the party's electoral chances. O'Toole has learned some important lessons since September's election. While certain ambitious conservatives believe there is value in sticking their necks out on vaccines, their leader realizes just how damaging it is in the long run. At cbc.ca, Andrew Baer argues the reckless treatment of Indigenous children continues. Baer writes, The current system mimics the Indian residential schools, but now when Indigenous children are taken from their homes, it is justified as being in the best interest of the child by the Child and Family Services Act. Remember that some still argue that the government had good intentions during the implementation of Indian residential schools, much like the government controlling the child welfare system. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will visit a vaccination clinic in Edmonton, along with Minister of Tourism Randy Boissonneau. He will also be joined by Minister Boissonneau, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, and Minister of Families Karina Gould to make an early learning and child care announcement. This evening, an interview with the Prime Minister will air on an Edmonton radio station. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, November 15th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.